Hey, welcome to Echo by CSE Sock. I'm Julian, and I'm a second year computer science student. And I'm Angini, also studying computer science,、uh, and I'm in first year. In this episode of the Personal Project series, we'll be talking to a current CSE student and former socials director, Selena Chua. Selena's been developing projects with great success for hackathons in the past year, most notably an AI education app for this year's CSE Sock Hackathon. Yeah, so Selena, thanks for joining us. How would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners?、Uh, yeah, so my name's Selena,、um, and I'm a third-year computer science student. So that's my penultimate year. I'll be graduating at the end of next year.、Um, and yeah, like you guys mentioned, I guess、uh, social directors last year.、Um, and yeah, I don't know. I guess、um, I、uh, the reason why I started doing computer science. Uh, just as a little background about myself, is pretty much because, like my entire family, actually does it as well. So I have two older siblings, like an older brother and an older sister. And my older brother is a year above me, and all of us actually do comsci. So I think the reason why I sort of got roped into doing comsci is because they would always talk about like these comsci stuff at home, and you know I'd be like, oh, that kind of sounds interesting. And so that's sort of why I decided to do comsci because I didn't really know what else to do as well.、Um, yeah. Yeah. So it kind of runs、okay. in the family. Yeah, I guess.、So. <laughs> <laughs> well, outside of computer science, what sort of things do you do in your spare time?、Um, I guess pretty much like when I have free time, I just play games.、Um, especially now because I have so much free time. Because actually, last year I decided that I would underload. Um, but obviously, now that I'm underloading and there's COVID nineteen, I just have tons of free time. So all I really do is just like editor, watch YouTube,、um, play some games,、uh, you know, just really not nothing. <laughs> <laughs> What sort of games?、Um, pretty much like stuff on the PS four, like story games.、Uh, I recently played Last of Us two, which、oh, was、sick. really good.、Um, But yeah, like pretty much just story games. I don't really play a lot of like、um, PC games, which I know a lot of my friends play, like League and stuff. I've never actually touched any of those stuff. So yeah. Do you have any biggest flex?、Uh, is this like in terms of tech or just? Just in, in, in general, what's what's your go-to biggest flex? My, my go-to biggest flex. Uh, <laughs> um, I guess my biggest flex. Tech-wise, because I guess my life is very tech-oriented, considering like I do comsci, would probably be like my internship last year at Google,、um, and at the end of this year, I guess that would be my biggest flex.、Um, but yeah, I don't know what else to flex about. I guess I'm a pretty, very average person. <laughs> I think the Google internship puts you above average. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough.、Um, But yeah, aside from that, I guess in my in my normal life, I don't know what else to flex about. Not much, really. All right, all right. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more on the tech side.、Um, so,、uh, I believe this year for the CSE Sock Hackathon, you were part of a team that developed the AR education app and came second. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, can you just talk a little bit, like maybe introduce us to what this was? Yeah, so、uh, I guess this year we decided to do the CSE Sock Hackathon,、um, and the theme was, of course, COVID, right? As 
all the hackathons this year have been just about COVID. Um, and I think the theme was pretty much solving any issue that COVID has brought about. So it could be like education-wise or, you know, like um, like financial-wise or, you know, those kind of things like small businesses, um, you know, closing down and all that kind of stuff. And we decided to do um, tackle the education sector because it's kind of the most relevant to us is because we're all uni students. Um, and so what we decided to do was, uh, you know, obviously now we've transitioned to online learning, right? Um, and that's like one of the other people on my team, Clarissa, she does neuroscience, so a double degree in neuroscience and computer science. And obviously during uh, like in her neuroscience degree, she has a lot of practical stuff that she needs to do, like practical labs and stuff. Um, and so that's sort of how we decided that, oh, you know, let's build something that helps that um you know problem where practical labs have sort of become quite difficult to do now that everything is online learning um and so from that we kind of like my brother as well which i did the hackathon with as well it was like a group of four of us and i did it with my brother um we he really wanted to do like an augmented reality app because you know obviously as tech people we see that quite often like ar and stuff it's booming quite a bit nowadays right but like we never really looked into how to implement that kind of stuff. Um, so we thought it would be pretty cool uh, to learn that because it's in hackathons, you pretty much just usually you learn a lot of things from scratch, right? So we thought like augmented reality would be something really cool um, to do. And so what we decided to do for the project was uh, we built this mobile app um, that allows you to sort of see 3D models in AR um, and these 3D models are supposed to be like, you know, um, for example, in a chemistry lab or something like that, if you need to look at, you know, batteries or something, then um, a 3D model of a battery could pop up with certain points of interests. And those points of interests could be annotated with, you know, um, information about that point. And, um, you know, our, our future goal was to, to make it sort of... Um, where like students could annotate on it, like write notes on it, as well as the teacher being able to see the students' notes and, you know, um, help them communicate that way through online teaching, I guess. So, yeah, that was our, the idea of our app. Yeah, it's actually really cool. Um, so on, on the design side of things, was it really immediate that you guys wanted to go into education or were there any other ideas that you wanted to, that you, you floated around? Uh, yeah, so I think pretty much we just, Unlike previous hackathons that I've been in, because I've done a couple other ones, usually we spend quite a while thinking about an idea. Um, but for this one, we actually pretty much just decided on it straight away, which was kind of surprising and pretty rare. But I think what we sort of struggled with a bit more is figuring out how to implement it rather than like, you know, the idea. Because we came up with this idea and we were like, oh, this is really, really good. I think, um, you know, this will... You know get us pretty far in this hackathon um and it's definitely something we're all pretty passionate about but i think it was more so like is this really feasible in 24 hours especially considering the fact that none of us had any experience with augmented reality so and it seems obviously like ar seems like a very very difficult task like we're like oh uh we're not sure if we'll be able to do it in 24 hours so that was pretty much more of the discussion rather than like trying to figure out uh, another idea kind of thing. 
So um, you were just talking about how like none of you had any experience with AR before this hackathon. So what was the process like to figure out um, whether it was feasible, whether you could actually implement it? Yeah, yeah, I guess what we did was we did quite a bit of research before we actually started the project, which, you know, obviously in a hackathon when there's like a lot of time constraints, that's a little like not very ideal. Um, but yeah, what we did was because we decided that we wanted to go with a mobile app, right? Because with augmented reality, you can't really create a website. You know, that's pretty much more like a mobile thing with cameras. Um, so we definitely... Um, went with that because we were sort of tossing up between building a website or a mobile app. So we definitely went with mobile app. That was like sort of the first step of what we did. Um, and then from then on, it was sort of trying to figure out which technologies we wanted to use and how to integrate augmented reality with that. Um, and so what we did was we decided to use um, like Dart and Flutter, which is, I think, a pretty new sort of mobile, it's like a language and framework. Um, and we decided to use that mainly because I've had a little bit of experience with that language before. And from then we were like, okay, now that we know we're building a mobile app with Flutter, um, how do we integrate augmented reality into this, right? So we did a couple of like, you know, uh, research on that and we found like um, a library that was like sort of an augmented reality library that someone had written and um, he had like a lot of examples on how to use it as well. So I think like at that point, once you've already found an example, it's like pretty easy to go from there. You sort of just like read through his code and understand what's going on. Um, and then you think about how you would do the same thing, but with your app instead of like what he's doing. Um, so yeah, I think pretty much like the hardest part with that was just trying to like find good examples because it's pretty it's a pretty new framework as well and I don't think they've used augmented reality with it a lot so it's like a pretty new library as well so there weren't like a lot of examples um and also like you mentioned like it's you're doing this in a team um what was sort of like how did you decide who did what and what I guess was your role in it yeah um I guess because we had four people and I guess as, as you do with all teams, you sort of play to people's strengths, right? Um, and we had one team member on our team that was definitely a lot more sort of, like she was really good at, you know, like making slide decks and, you know, pitching and all that. So um, we kind of delegated the whole pitching process and um, thinking about that to her. And she also sort of helped out with... Um, because obviously the pitching process is a little bit more towards the end, right? Once you already have like a proper product. Um, and so because of that, she also helped us to do a little bit of like UI design um, and thinking about like conceptually what the app would look like and sort of the flow between the different pages. Um, so that was one side of things. And then in terms of like more the technical stuff, um, since like I mentioned before, I have a little bit of experience with using Flutter. So um, I sort of ended up doing most of the front end. So I guess like the technical bit, you can kind of split it up into two parts for this project, right? It's like the front end building what it looks like. And then the other side is sort of the augmented reality bit, right? So I was more on the front end side where we built what the app looked like 
And then my brother was actually more on the augmented reality side where he like tried and tried to figure out how it would work. And then eventually after he figured it out, we would have to sort of integrate the front end with, um, it's not really the back end, but kind of like the, the logical side of things, I guess, like the, the back end of the front end, so to speak. Um, and then, yeah, we kind of had to like integrate the augmented reality bits with the front end. But personally, my role was more of like the front end developer where I sort of, um, you know, took the conceptual UI image and actually coded it up into an actual application. Real quick, um, you mentioned that you had some experience with Flutter. How did you get that experience? Because I'm pretty sure no UNSW course teaches that. Was that just self-learning or doing some projects? Yeah, um, so it was actually at my internship at Google last year because I was um, in a front-end team, like a mobile front-end team, and they, I think, were one of the first few teams uh, internally at Google, I think, to start transitioning into using the Flutter language. And so... Um, that was pretty much where I got like all my Flutter experience, which was pretty good because I guess like um, when you try and self, at least when I tried to self-learn a lot of things, I feel like I end up not learning it properly. Sort of like you find a lot of hacky ways to do things, right? Which is what happened to a lot of my previous hackathons. But I think it was good that I learned it like more officially because that sort of gave me a, a stronger foundation in the language. Yeah, what is Flutter, by the way? Like, what makes it different from any other front-end language? Like, I don't know, JavaScript, I guess? Yeah. Um, so I'm, I think I'm pretty sure JavaScript is just, like, web. Not that I know much about front-end, to be honest. Like, I, I know a bit about Flutter, but not really front-end in general. Um, but I guess in um, with developing mobile apps, a lot of people usually use, like, React Native. Um, and the difference with like Flutter and React Native is I'm pretty sure they're like quite similar because I've never actually used React Native myself, um, but I do know people who have seen both and they do say like there are similarities between the two. Um, but the good thing about Flutter is that when you um, compile it, it sort of, it it's like one code base for both iOS and Android because with mobile apps, right, there's like a new problem that webs, uh, websites don't have with the fact that you have different platforms with Android and iOS. Um, and usually with React Native, if I'm not mistaken, you would have to create a completely different code base for Android and a completely different um, code base for iOS as well. So the good thing with Flutter is that, you know, you can have one code base and it'll be like multi-platform basically. Oh, right. So it's just like, kind of like React Native, you code it in one language and then you're able to deploy it to both I guess, like iOS and um, and Android. Yeah, exactly. So it's a little bit more convenient mm -hmm. um, for everyone, which is why I think they decided to swap to that, like in Google, I mean. Um, yeah. You mentioned that um, with, uh, with the AR, there were examples that you found online on how, like, how to integrate that, uh, well, how to use it. Mm -hmm. Were there any examples on how to integrate that with Flutter at all? Or did uh, yeah. you have to come up with that yourself? Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, the like the library that we found was actually built specifically for Flutter. So it's like a Flutter library, you know, how you can like hash include in C or something like that and import and stuff. So it was sort of like um, a library that this guy built and he, I think, helped build Flutter if I'm not wrong. Um, so it's like a pretty legit AR, um, you know, 
library. And all we had to do was sort of just import it and use the um, functions and stuff. And he had a couple of examples on how to use it and how to make it more interactive. Um, so yeah, it was like quite a few examples that were really useful. Um, going into sort of what you did uh, with more of like designing the front end, um, what sort of considerations did you take into account when you were doing that? Uh, yeah, I guess with front end, like what I realized with doing front end is that having um, like a UX designer kind of person or someone who's like designing what the page looks like before it actually uh, gets coded up is really important because you know, like sometimes when you look at your apps, right, you think, oh, they're so pretty and minimalistic. And um, I actually, I just used to think, oh, okay, you know, they're just, you know, really good at making things really pretty and minimalistic. But there's actually a lot of work that goes into that of like, you know, figuring out the best spacing and sort of how the flow from one page to another is the most natural for people as well. Um, so I think like one of the biggest considerations that we had was, we made sure to design everything first and make sure that we had also like a color palette um, so that there was like a color scheme throughout everything. Um, and also like making sure that the flow between the home page to the classroom page and all that would be like very natural and it would be quite like intuitive for people using it um, to figure out where to go and what to do. So yeah, I think that was like the biggest consideration when like doing the front end. Did you have an experience with doing like the more, I guess, UX design side of things? Or is it something you kind of picked up by like looking at, I guess, apps that you like? Uh, yeah, so pretty much I, I've never really had any experience with UX design. But I think when I was interning at Google, I got to see people um, do it, which is where I sort of realized how important it is um, to do this kind of stuff and how much of a difference it makes. Like, for example, it's literally just like having a loading, um, you know, one of those circular progress indicators, like one of those loading screens that actually tells the user so much about what they're doing and what they're waiting for. Like it gives them a bit of feedback, I guess, instead of like staring at a screen and you're like, oh, I'm not sure what's going on kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I've never really had any experience personally, but having seen people do it, you kind of sort of know what to do as well and what we ended up doing was we actually like looked at Pinterest and a couple of I just googling images as well and also I guess copying off of um, some pretty uh, like minimalistic apps from your phone like for example Beamit if you guys know Beamit yeah yeah it's like really minimalistic Such good design yeah right exactly so we're trying to copy that kind of very bare bones but still really pretty um, UI design for our app yeah like for example like with the loading screen like I really appreciate it when they have the progress bar instead of just like a circle that spins on forever <laughs> yeah 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 definitely it's like yeah you because you take it all for granted right because you've used apps so much but then you realize that like there's like a whole course on this in USW called like HCI human computer interaction and it basically sort of teaches you all these things about um you know, how people interact with, um, like, I guess, websites and computers in general, and how you sort of have, how you can make that interaction a lot smoother, and how um, to make people enjoy it a lot more kind of thing. 
So yeah, I've never actually done that course, but maybe I will at some point because it sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I've, I've done it myself. You like work on a um, UI with a team and it's just really good experience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've heard it's it's pretty good and also like it's a not not very difficult. So <laughs> yeah, because there's there's no coding at all, so it's it's completely just design based. A lot of people call it visual arts for for computer science. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, sounds pretty accurate. Speaking of like UNSW courses, um, were there any courses you did at uni that you thought helped? Um, although since you use Flutter, it sounds like it's more your outside of uni experience that helped you. Yeah, definitely. I think in this hackathon specifically, I don't think a lot of my uni courses would have helped me that much. Um, and more so like my experience at my internship. Um, but I guess one small thing that kind of helped me understand the language a little better was 2511. Have you guys done that? Um, oh, I'm doing it now. Um, Not yet, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I've heard about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's a core course, so you'll have to do it eventually, right? Yeah. Um, but I guess they teach you about um, what's it called, like patterns and stuff. I'm not sure. Yeah, if you've design got patterns and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. That's that's it. Design patterns, right? And so one of them is like the decorator pattern. Have you learned about that one? Heard about it. It's like in this handbook that they showed us. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty much. Most the, like the basis of Flutter is based on the decorator pattern. So kind of brief, really, really briefly, everything in Flutter is like a widget. So every everything on the screen that you see is the screen is basically built up of like widgets. So a widget can be like a row and a column, and then a row can consist of like three other widgets, which could be like cards or you know, and then each card could consist of more widgets which could be like an image and stuff like that so it's kind of uh like the decorator pattern if anyone like kind of if you guys sort of know what it is it's kind of just like you know one thing within itself within itself within itself kind of thing so in this case in flutter it's like a widget within a widget within a widget and so on and so forth which i guess it didn't like help that much in terms of the hackathon specifically, but I just thought it was really interesting because sometimes you think, you know, when you learn stuff in uni, you're like, oh, I'm never going to apply this in real life. You know, I'm never going <laughs> to you know, see this ever again. But yeah, so I just thought it was pretty interesting that, you know, you kind of recognize that sometimes. Yeah. Uh, going back to the technical side of things, we've already talked about like what other challenges you had with, um, well, with some challenges that you had with finding how you can use AI and all that. Were there any other challenges that you guys faced? Um, I think, yeah, I think the biggest one would have definitely been the AR bit. But aside from that, it was also because I was the only person on the team who had experience with Flutter. So um, it was kind of interesting to see everyone else learn it as well on the team. Um, And it was pretty interesting because I thought that, you know, it's not that, it's like a pretty good language and it's not that difficult to learn, but like seeing other people do it for the first time makes you realize that, you know, you sort of, you, since you already have experience in that, you kind of take it for granted, but it's not that easy to pick up, I guess, especially in like 24 hours. Right. Which is also the other biggest challenge, which is the time constraint. Um, and so we ended up having to do quite a lot of, like we had, because of the time constraints, we had to cut um, a lot of, things down 
and we like stayed up up until like 5 a.m or something because we were like we want to get this done right because you want to commit right once you already have an idea and you've already started on it it's not like you can abandon it halfway at like 1 a.m you're like oh i want to do something else so you got to commit and at least get something that's working out there so yeah the time constraint is definitely always one of the biggest challenges with hackathons because you always try and do more than you can in 24 hours um, and you end up sort of have to cut it down a little bit yeah how do you like balance that like when do you know when to cut down and when to like oh i've already started this we've got to keep going yeah, definitely, like, a very good question. And the answer to that is pretty much I don't really know. Um, but I I guess the best foolproof way of um, dealing with time constraints in hackathons is to create, like, an MVP list, like a minimum viable product, um, and a list of, like, features that you want to be in the MVP, right? And so... Um, and then you could like prioritize that if you have time, but you know, pretty much when you're working in a team in a hackathon, you don't really do a lot of things officially, right? Um, but what you could do is pretty much write a couple of features down that you know 100% you want to be in there and that's the whole point of the app, right? And so you have those down and then you work on those first. And if you have time, then um, you know, eventually you can sort of add on more features as well to make your app a lot nicer, obviously. Um, but definitely like starting with like a list of things that you know you need to get done um, definitely helps with like, um, you know, figuring out time and like or managing your time wisely. What were those features for you um, that you like definitely had to have in the app? Um, yeah, so it was definitely like, uh, a couple of pages so obviously the home screen that was definitely like one of the I guess it's not really a feature but you know one of the things that we had had to have in the MVP um, so the home screen and then um, so like definitely at least one AR model that you could see because with like the augmented reality right you have to sort of um, have the correct file to be able to see it in 3D Right, because obviously you can't just give it like a picture or anything, right? Because that wouldn't really show up as uh, like an AR model. So you need to have the correct file for that. So we had to sort of look around for that file. So um, having that and being able to display that uh, was definitely on the MVP list as well. And um, one of the other ones was being able to show points of interest on the 3D model as well as um, like a couple of maybe just bullet points about like every point of interest because that was pretty much the basis of our app, right? We wanted a 3D model, um, like AR app that allowed you to sort of learn online. And if it was sort of just like seeing a 3D model, then it's not really that impressive. Um, but if you have like specific points of interest with, you know, information that sort of, um, you know, shows you more about what the app should look like instead of just like a 3d model by itself kind of thing yeah uh on the on the other side of things what were some examples of features that you guys had to cut down on or cut yeah. out um yeah a good question because i think there were quite a few because we were pretty ambitious but um one of the ones that i remember is uh like we wanted to be able because we wanted the app to sort of be like a point of communication as well between the teacher and the student. 
So um, one of the things that we wanted was sort of a question, like the student could ask questions on specific points of interest. So for example, if they had, you know, a question about, you know, um, part of the brain or something, right? And there was like a brain 3D model. Um, if they had a question about part of it, like, oh, what does this do? I'm not really sure. I don't, I don't really understand what you talked about in class. You could sort of click on it and then, um, you know, like write a question. And then the teacher on the other side would be able to see that and would be able to sort of answer that question as well. Um, and we also wanted to allow the students to add notes on each point of interest. And so like by clicking on it and then like writing some notes and then, you know, you have like a little section at the bottom with like all the notes about every point of interest. So we wanted to implement that too. And we sort of got halfway where we had all the notes at the bottom and like a little field they could enter, but we didn't really end up like you know, being able to add extra notes and have it come up in, like, the the note section. Would you ever consider, like, revisiting the project to try and, like, finish off some stuff? Yeah, we actually talked about it because after we finished it, we were all obviously, like, pretty proud of um, the product. And we were like, oh, you know, we could come back and do this again at some point, um, especially because one of the... CSE soft directors was also like, oh, you know, what you did was really, really cool. Um, you know, if you guys wanna, want more people to help you out, you know, I'd be happy to, you know, jump onto your team as well because it seems like a really cool project. Um, so all of us were like, oh, yeah, why don't we keep doing this? Because it seems like something that would be really useful, especially because COVID doesn't seem to be ending anytime soon as well, right? And as we can see, obviously, like online learning is definitely happening a lot more these days. Um, and probably like even in the future as well when COVID has ended so we were like oh it'd be like a really cool app right um, but as you do with personal projects and hackathons uh, that sort of never really ended up happening like we talked about it and we we're like oh we'll do it during the break or like the mid-sem break and then it just sort of never really happened but yeah hopefully in the future at some point maybe we'll work on it again yeah, I can definitely relate to that. You like do it, finish a hackathon, you're like, well, that was so cool. And then let's work on it later. And then later just like never happens. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're like, oh, I want to keep doing this. This could be something. And then life just gets in the way. Yeah, I think hackathons in that way are very like unique in that you it forces you to concentrate on this one thing for 24 hours. Um, and you like end up creating something really cool. And you don't really get that in any other situation. Yeah, for sure. I think that's why I really enjoy hackathons um, because, you know, you actually learn so much as well in a hackathon because I feel like a lot of the things that you do in uni, some of the, some of those things apply, but when you're building a product from scratch, like literally from scratch, there's a lot of things that like go into consideration, right? And, you know, you sort of how to build it from the ground up is like a very big thing. And within like 24 hours, it's really, really cool how you get to see you know, sort of your skills build up and you sort of create something from nothing, even though, you know, I swear in the beginning, everyone's always like, oh, I'm not sure if we can do this. And then at the end of 24 hours, you have something and it's just like really cool. And you learn a lot of stuff as well, right? Every time. What were some main takeaways that you had from this from this particular hackathon then? Some main takeaways, I guess some of them would probably be like working on a team with people that you know as well. That, that's definitely one of the 
biggest takeaways would be like, you know, working in a good team makes your life a lot easier, which I guess obviously a lot of people probably have had experience with like, you know, group projects as well um, at, in UNSW courses. When you have a good team, it's like so much easier for you. Um, aside from that, I think also like being um, able to ask people for help as well because well, I guess this wasn't like specifically this hackathon, but, you know, in previous hackathons when I had to use sort of APIs and stuff um, and I had no clue how to do that, it was really good to be able to ask people who knew about those kind of things. So I, I guess like as well being in a group of people who kind of know that stuff would make life a little bit easier for you as well. Um, I guess in comparison with previous hackathons as well, like in this hackathon, I actually knew the technology that we were using, like the frameworks and stuff. I actually kind of had experience with them. Like in all my previous hackathons, I sort of like jumped into the deep water kind of thing. Um, you know, you I, I knew nothing about any of the languages and pretty much like half the hackathon was researching, um, you know, how to write, you know, a print statement in this language or whatever um, so that you could hack something together. So yeah, definitely, like, I realized in this hackathon that using something that you already know helps you a lot in um, building something. Like, it saves you so much time. So I think, yeah, I mean, I guess if you could use something that you already have experience with, that would definitely help a lot. You're mentioning your other hackathons. Do you want to talk a little bit more about some, I guess, previous notable ones you've done? Um, yeah, so... Just thinking about which one I've done. Um, I've done like, I think my very first hackathon was like the freelancer hackathon. That was, I think, last year. It was like part of like a StartCon um, event and there was a freelancer hackathon. And it was honestly like probably the biggest hackathon that I've been in because the prize money was like 6K. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah right. It's like pretty good. <laughs> Um, and I was in a really good team as well of like people who had been experienced with hackathons, like they've done hackathons before. Um, and yeah, we actually won first place then, but I think I was just getting carried by the rest of the team because I didn't really know anything about, um, you know, front end and, you know, bootstrapped and react and all that. I like had never used them before. And so, um, like the technologies we used were like Python and Flask because obviously, you know, you've done that in 1531, right? So that's what we used. And then for the front end, we used React and Bootstrap, which I still have no, I still have no clue about. Um, so I ended up working on like the back end of stuff, which is like a lot easier because we did it in Python as well. It was like pretty easy. So I pretty much just got carried through that. Um, and aside from that, I did like a couple more hackathons. Um, in which we also built like mobile apps with Flutter as well, um, again, because of previous experience. So I guess this time, like, I've actually already built a mobile app in Flutter before from scratch. So yeah, that like, as I said before, that helps, right, when you've already done something before. So yeah. yeah. At your first hackathon, what were your expectations going into it? Because I know that some people have like absolutely they have no idea what a hackathon is and they go into it and they're completely surprised. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, definitely. I think when you say hackathon, right, 
a lot of people who've never heard of it before go like, oh, so what is that? Do you just like hack websites for 24 hours or something? Um, and for the longest time, that was what I thought as well. But um, when I got into uni, obviously, as I mentioned, like I have siblings who do compsci as well, right? So um, I guess I was a bit lucky because I was exposed to this kind of stuff a little bit more. So I knew what it was um, going in. But my expectation was I didn't really have a lot of expectations because they did ask me to join their team kind of more last minute. And I was like, sure, why not? I've never done one before. Um, seems like it'll be fun. Um, and since it's like a pretty big hackathon, right, I thought there would be a lot of teams and I was kind of just expecting us to, you know, not really win, just sort of, you know, learn something new along the way and, you know, have fun. But I guess on the day, we realized that, um, yeah, I don't know, like when we were pitching our product, we realized that, you know, we, we didn't really do that bad of a job. So yeah, I guess expectations with <laughs> reality-wise, I didn't really expect much. And we kind of, yes, it, we surprised ourselves, I guess. What was the thing that you built for that first hackathon? Um, so it was a, because it's freelancer, right? So I don't know if you guys know what freelancer does, um, but freelancer is basically this website, which I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but sort of the basis of it is it's kind of um, when when people want a job done, they can post on freelancer and then someone else who, you know, is able to do this job can find these job listings and they can, um, you know, like, go for that job and like do that job for them kind of thing yep. if that makes sense oh yeah like a freelancer yeah, yeah exactly right um and so the problem with like one of the big problems that we saw with freelancer was that you could only do like one job at a time so like one person at a time for a job so um for example if you have like a really big job right for example you want to build a website and you need at least like two devs or you know three devs or something like that you couldn't really do that on freelancer, so we were um, we were going to build a website that uses the freelancer API, which was like the whole theme of the hackathon, just to use their API um, in some way. So we built a website that used their API and allowed people to sort of um, create jobs with multiple like spots, if that makes sense, like a project with multiple jobs kind of thing um, and so that like multiple people could apply for this one job and fill in like the different job vacancies instead of just you know having one job for one person and ha have one person do it so you can have like a lot um, like bigger projects in freelancer if that makes sense yeah that's a really good idea I'm surprised like freelancer didn't already have that yeah, so actually when, because I actually came late to the hackathon, so I wasn't even part of like this process of thinking about an idea because I was, I was, I think I was tutoring or something. And then I, I got there and they were like, oh, okay, so we have this really good idea and we know it's a good idea because we pitched it to the freelancer people and they said, oh yeah, I know that's a good idea because that's actually a feature that we're already working on right now. So they're like, oh, okay, sounds good. We'll just do that then. Um, yeah, and I guess moving on then, um, what advice would you have for people maybe who are also looking to do jump into their first hackathon? Um, 
I think I was like when I did my first hackathon um, I was lucky in that I was in a team of people with experience and people who knew um, you know their stuff so I think that's definitely a good start well obviously not everyone would be lucky enough to be friends with people who already have experience with all this kind of stuff right usually you're just doing it with a bunch of friends um, and all of you don't know what you're doing but you know we want to try and build something and that's like completely fine too obviously but having someone who has had um, experience in not just like one thing but in different things as well like front end back end and you know maybe sort of different types of front end as well like react and you know um other things as well that would definitely be very helpful although like obviously not necessary right and i think one of the biggest things with hackathons as well is to think about what you want to get out of it i guess that's what someone told me before um but think about whether you actually want to win like if you're going into it thinking oh i want to win this and win first place or if you're going into it thinking oh you know i'm just doing this and i want to learn something new Right, because when you think about those two different things, it kind of gives you a very different approach to what you're gonna do in the hackathon. Like, if you if you actually want to win, then obviously you should try and do something that you've had experience with, and you know, do it with people who have had experience. Whereas if you um, are going into it more thinking, oh, I want to upskill myself and I will, I want to learn new things and build a product in 24 hours, then it's kind of like, oh. Um, be a bit more uncomfortable with what you're choosing, if that makes sense. Like it's fine for you to be uncomfortable with the languages and the technologies that you're choosing because um, you obviously want to learn something new, right? And you have this time constraint of 24 hours that's like um, pressuring you to learn something new. So that's definitely something that's very special with hackathons that it pressures you to do new things. So if your goal in a hackathon is to learn new things instead of win then um like obviously you know try and use new technologies that you've never used before and explore sort of different um things that you haven't done instead of just like doing you know a basic python flask website does that make sense uh just building on that with all of your previous hackathons that you've done have you seen anything like you've built up on your skills throughout those times from like the first time you did a hackathon to now, have you become more comfortable with that or like you've seen like some great improvement? Yeah, definitely. I think um, I think even in uni as well and with hackathons as well, um, the one thing that I sort of learned how to do a lot better throughout, you know, these three years is I guess how to learn better, if that makes sense. It's not really about, you know what you learn it's more about how you learn stuff so I think definitely with the previous hackathons right you sort of have like I mentioned like time constraints and pressure for you to learn something new so you have to learn things more quickly and more efficiently rather than you know spending a lot of time hounding down on like one little thing um so yeah even with like commsci and uni I feel like you end up because like, obviously when you graduate and you get a grad job and stuff like that, sometimes a lot of a lot of the times you don't actually use a lot of the stuff you learn in uni, right? But I still think like uni is very important because it teaches you how to learn things very quickly. Like if you think about it, ComSci 
um, the degree in computer science, you actually have a lot of different courses, right? And all these courses are completely different from each other. Like, for example, there's a course on C++, there's a course like for HCI and all that. And a lot of these stuff don't really overlap. So you basically have to like um, learn how to learn efficiently, right? Because every single course is something completely different. Whereas when you do engineering, it's all like building up on top of, you know, the same thing again and again, right? So, yeah, I think that's definitely like one of the few things that I've improved throughout the previous hackathons as well. It's like learning well. <laughs> you think you have any tips then on how to, I guess, learn well and learn under this crazy time pressure? Yeah, I think with hackathons specifically, it's very important not to go into rabbit holes. And by that, I mean like when you're researching how to do something, it's very, very easy for you to keep clicking into and you know into more and more and more websites right like even when you're doing assignments you know when you have that like chrome up and then you have about like 100 tabs at the top that's like what hackathons are like as well but it's important for you not to go into rabbit holes it's it's kind of a skill really because a lot of the times you probably will just keep going right because you never know when you have enough information to start and build something completely new right something completely from scratch so um, I think it's like to be aware that you might be going into a rabbit hole and like, you know, be aware that you probably need to pull yourself out at some point kind of thing. Um, also, I guess if you're going to learn something completely new, it's best to use something that's um, used pretty widely, like React or, you know, because Flutter is pretty new. I think it's starting to have a lot of examples and people using it as well, but it's, I don't think it's been used as long as React like pretty sure. So um, I think React has a lot more stuff on it. So that's also that would also help you quite a bit because, you know, you can obviously um, reference people, other people's code and stuff. Yeah. So something with more documentation or examples from other people. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I guess for yourself in the future, you're looking to enter any new hackathons or you're graduating at the end of next year. Do you have any plans with that? Yeah, um, in terms of hackathons, I honestly don't think I'll be doing any more maybe next year, but I've, I think I did like three this year in a span of like a month or two. And oh, after wow. the, yeah, after that, I was like so dead. I was like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. <laughs> it's like, because they're like all nighters for each of them, right? Yeah, exactly. They're all like all nighters. And it's just really tiring because I feel like when you pull an all nighter, right, the next day you're pretty much dead. So you've wasted another day as well. So yeah, I don't know. It's just like, it's very tiring and you have to think about this and you obviously have to write code and you write new stuff. Um, but it's definitely like a lot of fun. Maybe I'll join another hackathon at some point if, you know, once I've already taken a long, long break. Outside of hackathons, have you been working on any projects? Oh, personally, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah I think with hackathons it's really nice because you have you know you have to make something right yeah. um, whereas with personal projects I feel like I've always wanted to start something like I've had ideas and then I'm like oh, okay I'm going to think about the design and I'm going to start implementing it and then you just sort of you know stop because <laughs> <laughs> you're like oh there's nothing that's forcing me to do this and you end up like spending your spare time doing something else 
you know, like playing games or something. So yeah, I need to work on that. <laughs> I guess having a team helps as well, right? Like a whole bunch of people who want to do the same thing. Yeah, definitely. That definitely helps a lot because you have people who are keeping you in check, right? Whereas if you're doing it completely by yourself, you just have to be really passionate about what you're doing so that you actually want to finish it. Whereas even with like hackathons or like team projects, even if you sort of lose your passion for a little bit and you like go into a little slump, there are other people who can help you out of that. Yeah, cool. So I guess what I, um, like, uh, about to wrap up, um, is there, are there any like last words of advice or something you'd like people to hear? Yeah, I guess so. in terms of advice, it'd probably just be um, taking opportunities that are presented to you. Um, so, for example, hackathons, they're <laughs> like a very good thing that, you know, you could take advantage of while you're at uni because obviously a lot of societies do quite a lot of hackathons. Like um, women in technology, they do hackathons and CSE SOC and Data SOC probably do those as well. And a lot of like companies um, outside of uni also do a lot of their own hackathons. So definitely like taking opportunities, taking um, those opportunities would be really good as well. Because I do know that a couple of people have gotten um, sort of like um, interview offers from um, like people in the industry and uh, companies who host those hackathons. So they do um, keep an eye out for you know, obviously um, who is doing well in those hackathons as well. Because if you even if you look at the prize pool for, I think, CSE SOC and all that, um, there's like Atlassian resume review and, um, you know, a chance to talk to, you know, a couple of people from the industry as well. So it's definitely like a good way to also, I guess, network with people from the industry. So I guess you can just, you know, you get a lot out of it. And you also like learn new things as well. And even if you lose and you don't win anything, it doesn't really matter anyway. Um, and you just, you know, learn more stuff as well. So there's like a win-win situation for yourself. Yeah, so I think that's pretty solid advice for our listeners. Um, yeah, so I guess thank you so much. Um, just to wrap up. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to speak with us today. Um, I think definitely, hopefully, some of our listeners are inspired to maybe if they're struggling with uh, doing like personal projects in their own time, hackathons uh, sound like a really awesome option uh, to really upskill in a really short amount of time. Um, yeah, and as always, we're open to hearing about uh, what you've been up to. So if you've got a project uh, that you want to talk about, uh, just get in touch with us through the media website and we want to hear about it.